Well, hello everyone and welcome to the harbor. We're so grateful you're joined with us today and uh, what a day it is. And uh, we're going to jump into a new series. But before we do that today, I just want to take a moment and just celebrate a couple family wins, a couple family moments. And obviously with COVID, we're not able to celebrate together the way we normally would. But we just want to take a moment and just celebrate uh, Doug and Melanie on their wedding. Congratulations on your wedding. And Pastor Nick and Megan on your wedding, who've got married these past couple weeks. And we just are praying for you and excited for you and just wish you all the best as you start this new journey together. Well, we're going to join, we're going to start a new series called Uncontainable. Uncontainable. And the subtext for this series, or the subtitle will kind of help describe it. It's how to be a person that other people want to be around. <laughs> how do we be a person that other people actually want to be around. The, the type of person that leads by example and, and speaks life and hope and possibility. The type of person that is genuine and authentic, true, but is also not controlled by their emotions and their changing present circumstances. Uh, the type of person that reflects the person and, and the presence of Jesus in everything they do. Uh, Paul describes this person as hopeful and joyful and peaceful. We see it in his letter to the church in Rome, and he says in Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow, overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The, I love the NLT version, the New Living Translation version says, and may the God of hope, the source, may, and sorry, I pray that God rather, the source of hope will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow, here it is, with a confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Passion Translation says, Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to go overflowing with uncontainable joy. It's kind of where we got the title. Perfect peace as you trust in Him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with His supernatural abundance until you radiate, radiate with hope. See, I don't know about you, but this is the type of person I want to be. Despite my situation or my, my changing circumstances, I want to be a person that is hopeful, that is joyful, that is peaceful, full of joy, full of hope, full of peace. To the point of overflowing, to, to the point where I can't even contain it all or hide it all or keep it from impacting or encouraging others. It's that, that illustration of a cup being filled with water to the point of overflowing where, yes, the cup remains full, but it makes a mess, right? We're going to call it the holy mess. It makes a mess all around. It impacts everything around it. And that's what Paul is, is writing to. That's the visual, this overflowing impact, this uncontainable impact to be the type of person that other people want to be around because they are just so encouraged and inspired and feel loved and hopeful and it's full of possibilities around them. And what is this hope? This hope, he says, is this hope is rooted in trust. This hope is rooted in Jesus and it's empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to lean in and we're going to discuss these virtues of hope and joy and peace 
and trust. And we're going to discover together how to be people that other people want to be around. You ready for that? I know I do. I want to be the type of person. Other people look forward when I come into the room. They look forward when I walk into the grocery store or onto the baseball field where they see me. They're like, ah, oh, here he is. And I want you to be that type of person too. Where you just, people are excited when you're around. They want to be around you. And so today we are going to kind of start with this first virtue of hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's just ask the honest question. What is hope? You know, what, what is hope? Well, hope is a state of anticipation, isn't it? It is a feeling of expectation. It is a desire for certain things to happen. And this virtue of hope is critical to the healthy human experience. We need hope. And hope is deeply personal, isn't it? Hope is what shapes what we live for. What we hope for shapes what we live for. It motivate us, motivates us rather to endure the challenges that life throws at us along the way. You see, hope lifts our eyes from our present circumstances of today to the promises of tomorrow. I, I just see this visual idea when you have someone who is hopeless, where they're, they're, they just don't have any hope, they're depleted of hope. It's like the, the body language, you know, it's the, it's the shoved over shoulders, it's the depressed, it's the slooping head. But being hopeful is someone who's able to lift up their head despite their circumstances and seeing the promise of tomorrow. We need hope. It's part of the healthy human experiences. We've all experienced hope in different ways, haven't we? We've had high hopes. High hopes. We've hoped for better days. We've had hopes that have been disappointed when circumstances didn't work out. More personal and even more hurtful is when people let us down. We hoped that they would come through, but they didn't come through. Our hopes were shattered. Our hopes were broken. Our hopes were disappointed. We've also had the other side of things where our hopes were restored. You've restored my hope. We've had a hope restored in humanity because actions or the kindness of a stranger has restored the hope for humanity. See, the Bible is full of stories of tortured and challenged hope. Abraham and Sarah hoped for a child, even in their old age, holding on to the promise of God. The Israelites cried out in their slavery as they waited in hope that God would hear them and rescue them from their oppressors. The virtue of hope is woven through the story of Scripture from beginning to end. And when you look in the Bible, there's two words that, that, that the Old Testament uses for hope. The first word is a cow, which is the wait for something with eager expectation, to wait for something, to the, the feeling of waiting. And the second is kava. It's this tension. It's the tension you experience while you wait for something. So it's the, it's the feeling of waiting, but it also speaks to the tension we feel. You know that tension you feel of waiting? The, 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 re, the root word of this kava is ka, which is, uh, the, it's the cord. And it's this visual of a cord that's being stretched and being stretched and being stretched to the point where you're just kind of, you know it's going to snap, but you don't really know when you're being stretched and stretched, this tension, this tension. And then all of a sudden it snaps and there's this sense of relief, you know? 
I was just talking to someone this week and we were talking about baseball and with watching our kids play baseball and they're pitching, you know, in the final inning and they're down to the last strike and it's, you know, the last out rather and they're pitching and as when you're watching on the sideline, you, you, you're out of, it's out of your control. You, you can't do anything about it, but you're sitting there with this, this kava, this tension you're feeling as you hope that they get the strike, you, that you hope that they get the out and then they, they throw the pitch and it's a strike. And then they throw a pitch and it's a ball. And you're just like, as a dad, you know, as a parent, you just, you're just eager. You're just, ah. Oh. And then they throw a pitch and he hits it. Oh, but then it goes foul. And you're like, oh, okay. And then he gets the strikeout and there's this sense of relief. And that's what he's speaking to, this tension of waiting. There's a feeling of waiting. But there's also the tension of waiting. This words, these words appear over 40 times just in Psalms alone. This feeling as they wait for God. The psalmist in Psalm 135, he says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord as the watchman waits for the morning, more than the watchman waits for the morning. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. So Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full Redemption. Another translation says, and in him is the forgiveness of sins. See, as a nation was sinking into self-destruction, the prophet Isaiah declared, I wait for the Lord. I wait for the Lord in eager anticipation, in the tension of the pole, in the tension of where we are living. I'm waiting for the Lord who is turned away from his descendants of Jacob, but I will put my hope in him. Biblical hope. It speaks to both the waiting in anticipation, but also the tension we feel in the waiting. Have you ever felt that? Do you, do you, can you understand that? Can you connect to that? Can you relate to that? I sure can. We're waiting for something to be restored. And so there's two things I just kind of want to talk about today with, with you. Is the first is this, is this biblical hope is rooted in a person. Biblical hope is rooted in a person, which is very different than optimism, isn't it? See, optimism is based on this belief that things could work out for the best. It could, uh, and it's choosing to see life circumstances with this glass-half-full approach. I'm choosing to be optimist, uh, optimistic. I'm choosing to be positive. I'm waking up every day choosing to see things in, with, with hopeful eyes, the glass half full mentality. And, and while there's nothing wrong with having optimism, in, in fact, we just I encourage you to have it. But when optimism is based on our own strength, it's dependent on us to maintain it. I mean, we have to muster the strength every day. We have to muster the courage. We have to muster the energy. We have to muster the fortitude in our own strength to remain optimistic. To mean to, to remain optist, optimistic is the word I was looking for, optimistic. And it relies on our own natural ability and strength. And if things are going good, then everything's great. Then I can maintain this. But if circumstances aren't falling in our favor, and then it's not easy, right? It's not easy. And then all of a sudden I wake up and I, I just can't muster the strength any longer. And many of us may be feeling that right now in this season we find ourselves in. We started, okay, hopeful and no, I just don't know. I just don't know if I can muster this hopeful expectation. And that's why we need to understand that biblical hope is not rooted in our own optimism. But biblical hope is rooted 
in a person. Biblical hope is is rooted in God's unchanging character and his promise that even if things don't work out, even if things don't work in my favor, even if this delay lasts longer, I still can hold on to hope. And while optimism, hope is rooted in doubt, optimistic hope is really rooted in doubt because the phrase we say is kind of, I, I hope so. We're not really sure. I, I hope so. Biblical hope is rooted in assurance. It's rooted in confidence. It's rooted in security. It's rooted in trust. King David spent most of his life, especially early on in his life, running. Uh, several times through his life, surrounded by those who want to kill him, running and hiding in caves and hiding in the wilderness as King Saul and others tried to kill him. And not entirely sure how things were going to work out. Not entirely sure how what the future was going to play out. And yet he held on to the stories his father no doubtily told him about God's faithfulness. How God set them free and his people free from the hands and the oppressors of Egypt, from Pharaoh. And how God was faithful in their family time and time again. And David remembered those moments when God even delivered himself. Delivered him from the lion and the bear as he was a shepherd guarding his father's sheep. And for sure remembers the moments where God helped him defeat Goliath. He saw the faithfulness of God, the person of God in his life. This anchor in trust. And Psalm, in Psalm 3, he, uh, 39, he says, And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? Where is my hope found? Where is my hope secure? It's not in the unchanging circumstances. Uh, changing circumstances. It's not in the present circumstances. It's not in this cave that I find myself in. He says, My only hope is in you, in the person, the God, in God. In his poem, in Psalm 62, he says, Find rest, my soul. There's rest in the fact that I can trust in you. There's rest in the fact that I can hope in you. For Find rest, my soul, in God alone. For my hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress, so I will not be shaken. You see, David's hope wasn't anchored in the circumstances changing. He, he wasn't putting his hope in the fact that things were going to work out for his favor. No, he put his hope in God's unchanging character and promise. He, he did it before, and he will do it again. He, he was with me then, and he will, with, he will be with me now. And it's, I'm not anchored in the hope of my changing circumstances around me, but I'm anchored in the hope and the unchanging character and the promises of God. And this is Paul's prayer as he's writing to the church in Rome, as, as he's writing to the people in Rome. He's saying, listen, put your hope, your hope is rooted not in the circumstances, not in the changing circumstances, not in the hope that, uh, that, that things are going to turn around, that, that, that Nero will be taken out of power or the government is going to be turned over. Not in those things. Your hope is, in, is rooted in your trust in God, in a person, your hope is rooted in a person. And so here's the question we need to ask ourselves today. Is where is your hope found? Where is my hope found? Am I relying on my own optimistic and positive perspective? Or am I connected to the source of hope? The unchanging character of God. If we use that, that the cup as an overflow 
Am I trying to fill the cup with other means and by myself? Or am I putting my cup under the source of hope, the source of peace, the source of joy? Am I allowing the source of God to fill me every day so the cup overflows? Or am I trying to pour out of myself to make an impact of others, but in the process of pouring out, I may have the same effect, but I'm emptying myself in the process. And then I leave myself depleted and empty and dry, but I'm putting myself under the source of hope. Our source of hope is rooted in a person. It's rooted in a person. Biblical hope is rooted in a person. It's rooted in God. And the second thing I want to briefly say is that biblical hope looks forward by looking backwards. Biblical hope looks forward by looking backwards. What I mean is that God's present faithfulness motivates our hope to the future. You see, in the Old Testament, their hope was anchored. It was anchored in the fact that God delivered them from the hands of Egypt, that Moses was obedient to God's calling to go and set, let my people go, right? This whole story of Moses going into Egypt and encountering Pharaoh and God's plagues that came on Egypt. And we have the very first Passover and all that happens in the book of Exodus. And as, 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 as God sets his people free and throughout the whole Old Testament, story, time after time after time again, the prophets are kind of reminded, remember back, remember when God set you free. To the God who set you free, your hope is anchored. The God who set you free will continue to set you free in the future. Remember when, so it's anchored in the past and it gives them the motivation to endure to the future, to the promise of the coming Messiah. These Old Testament believers, these Old Testament followers of God were, were anchored in the hope that was rooted that we were set free in Egypt. Right? He did it before. And they're holding on to the hope that he's going to do it again, that Jesus is going to come. The Messiah is going to come and set us free and deliver us again. And God used people, the prophets, to remind them over and over to keep their hope anchored in him. Jeremiah, one of the, uh, the a popular verse and a, prop, a popular uh, anchor that we hold on to is, For I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They are for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Right? Hold on. He was good then. He will continue to be good in the future. God didn't just deliver them to drop them. God didn't just set you free to let you go. No, but we can. he had a plan. And if we are willing to follow after him, we can experience that plan. We can experience that hope every, every day. Excuse me. <clears throat> Isaiah, he says, For those who hope in the Lord, for those who put their trust in the Lord, will, new, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings of eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And what is this saying? Listen, when we can find rest, we can find rest in hope. We can find rest in the fact that our hope is anchored in a person. And it's anchored in that God was faithful yesterday. And he will continue to be faithful today and tomorrow. We can find rest in that. We don't have to try to muster it up all in ourselves. We don't have to try to rev up our optimistic approach and our positivity and our own strength. But we can find rest in God. New Testament, fast forward, the New Testament church. It's now we don't have just this hope. We have this living hope, as Peter describes. This living hope that is personified in the person of 
Jesus. Remember, the Israelites were anchored in the hope of the Egypt, uh, of being delivered from Egypt, and their, their future hope was secure that Jesus, the Messiah, was coming, was going to come and deliver them and set them free again. Now, New Testament, he has come. It's anchored in the, it's personified in the person of Jesus, and we're looking forward now to that fact that he is going to come again. He is going to come again. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. You see, our living hope is anchored in the resurrection. That, that Jesus died and he rose again. And it continues in the present that Jesus is alive. Come on, that's reason to celebrate. That's reason to get out of bed in the morning. That's reason to be able to like look at today with hopeful optimism, with expectation and anticipation that Jesus is alive and he's moving and he's dwelling among us. And listen, it endures throughout the future knowing that Jesus is going to come again soon. He's coming back. Listen, the same Jesus that said he was going to die on the cross and three days later rise from the dead, that same Jesus who did what he said he's going to do also said, I'm going to come back again. I'm going to pack. So we can put stock in that. We can put trust in that. That is, that, that is confident assurance. The writer of Hebrews says this hope, this, this assurance is strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. We can trust it. We can tank it to the bank. He said he was going to do it. He will do it. Remember, Jesus said he was going to die on the cross. Three days later, he's going to rise again. And he did it so we can trust him. We can trust them. This hope is a strong anchor, strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. The writer of Hebrews continues in verse in chapter 10. He says, so let us hold tightly. Let us hold tightly without wavering to this hope that we affirm. For God, come on, can be trusted. God can be trusted to keep his promise. God said he would die and rise again. And he did. God said he was going to come back, and we believe he will. So biblical hope, Christian hope, looks back to the risen Jesus in order to look forward to the coming Jesus. A Christian hope looks back to the risen Jesus and looks forward to the coming Jesus, waiting for humanity to be restored from a life apart from God. 2 Corinthians, uh, Paul in his, in his, in his uh, letter to 2 Corinthians 4.18, he says, so listen, we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Listen, we don't look at the changing circumstances that are around us, but rather we fix our gaze. We fix our focus. We lift our head. Come on. We don't just walk around, you know, busted and disgusted, beat up, broken, busted and disgusted. No, we lift up our head. We fix our focus. We fix our gaze on the things that we cannot see on this hope of his glorious return. Yes, I know we cannot see it. He's physically not here with us, but we're holding on to this hope, this glorious return, the thing that we cannot see. For the things that we can see, right? The things that are around us, the, the, the things that were around us that are crying for their attention, that are yelling for attention and yelling for our focus will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see Come on, this relationship, this hope we have in Christ will last forever. And so we wait with eager anticipation. 
with confident expectation and with a secure assurance, full of joy, full of hope, and full of peace. Come on. This is what Peter, this is what Paul rather, is encouraging us to hold on. May the God of hope fill you with hope to overflowing this eager anticipation, this confident expectation, and this secure assurance anchored, rooted in a person, rooted in the resurrection of Jesus. So in other words, listen, there's nothing to worry about. There's nothing to worry about. Everything is going to be all right. Everything is going to be all right. Why? Because of ourselves? Because of our, cha- our, our present circumstances? No. Because of the unchanging character and presence and promises of God. Do you have hope today? Are you filled with hope today? Are you allowing the God of hope to breathe life and to speak life to fill you today? That's what we need to do. And if you're like me, listen, I can't rely on yesterday's infilling. I need to be connected to that source every day because sometimes in some seasons, it's just depleting out of me. It feels like I got a hole in my bucket. You know, there's a leak in my cup and whatever's coming through, it's just leaking out. And so I just need to continue to be connected to the source of hope. Because like you, I want to be a person that people want to be around. I don't want to just be optimistic, but I want to be hopeful, rooted in the character and the promise of God. So biblical hope is rooted in a person, and biblical hope looks forward by looking backward and remembering the God of promise. And so today we're going to do that. Together we're going to take a moment to look back and remember as we celebrate communion together and Luke let you know at the beginning of the t- our time together that we're going to be doing this. So hopefully you have some emblems with you. If not, you can just take a quick moment and go grab those, whatever it is. It could be a cup of coffee and a muffin if that's what you have in front of you. But we're going to take a moment to remember. You know, life is full of information. There's lots going on. There's lots changing around us. And it's easy to forget. It's easy to fix our gaze on other things. But today, let's just take a moment to fix our gaze, to fix our focus on the cross of hope, the cross of Christ, the resurrection of Christ. And communion is just that opportunity to take time to remember. And so Peter encourages us. He says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, 23, says the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread. And he, when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this is the cup of the new covenant of my blood. Do this. Whenever you drink it, remember me. For whenever you eat this bread and whenever you drink this cup, whenever you stop and remember, whenever you stop and take notice, whenever you stop and you fix your focus and fix your gaze, you proclaim the Lord's death until when? Until he comes. Listen, we're not just proclaiming the Lord's death that he died. We're not even proclaiming the Lord's death that he rose again. We're proclaiming the Lord's death that he's going to even come again. He's coming again. And so today, let's just take the bread together. And in a moment of thanksgiving, in a moment of remembrance, in a moment rooted in hope, let's take this together.
In the same way, he took the cup. And this cup represents the blood, right? The blood that was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins, for the hope that we can have as being in this new creature, as being this new creation, experiencing his new mercies every day. That we're not held in condemnation and guilt from our past mistakes, but today we can experience forgiveness and hope and a future in him because of his sacrifice for you and for me. And so today as we drink the cup, let's do it with thanksgiving. Let's do it with a sense of hope and assurance, receiving his grace in our life here today. Let's take his cup together. And so, Father, we just take a moment and we just say thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your death. Most importantly, thank you for your resurrection. Thank you for your resurrection hope that you are now the living hope that we can cling to, that we can hold anchor to, that we can trust in for you are trustworthy and true. And today, no matter what we are feeling, no matter what is going on around us in our changing circumstances, God, we hold on to the unchanging character and the promise of God that you said you will never leave us, you will never forsake us. So what can man do to me? We will not be afraid. We will hold on to hope. And so today we put our trust in you again today. We realign ourselves under you. We put ourselves under the proverbial tap of your water, the tap of your source, so that we may be filled to overflowing with hope today. We love you. We need you. We thank you for all that you've done and all that you are continuing to do in and through our lives. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. And so here it is. May the God of hope, Fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We bless you today.